Come on, Jesus. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, the, the harvest field is ripe. Thank you for, for being a people of legacy. And that's, that's really the conversation I want to start today. People that think about the future. Think, people that think beyond themselves. And, and today, I, I want to start that conversation. And, and you know, our, our goal for you is that, that you would know God, not religion, not church membership necessarily, but you would know God. You'd have a real relationship with Him. That you'd find freedom, that you would, you'd be delivered from the stuff that's of your past that, that just tries to haunt you. You'd, you'd find freedom. We, we basically do that through relationships. You'd discover your purpose, and you'd make a difference. And this series of conversations is really all about making a difference. As we talk about legacy, it, it, it means this to me. Leaving a mark by maximizing the moments that matter most through intentional generosity. That we will recognize the opportunities and those opportunities that matter most, I promise you, are when we can be generous. Like we just heard Tristan's testimony and we're gonna just see 145 more little children testimonies that are they're gonna transpire in a month because we're gonna maximize the, the moments that matter the most. We're, we're thinking about legacy. And, 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 and when I think about legacy, I, I, I think really our big idea is this, that the goal of life is, 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 isn't to live on earth forever, but to leave something that does. And so that is what we're doing here together, is, is, is this series of conversations is to remind us that this isn't, we're not, we're not growing a church just for us. We're not growing a church even just for our city, obviously, in the fall of 2020. We're going to be planning a, a church campus in Pendleton, Oregon. And, but but we're, we're not even doing it for our generation. We're, we're, we're building something today that will far outlive us. It'll, it'll far outlive our children and our grandchildren, right? That, that's what we're doing. We're beginning to think like a legacy thinker. And this weekend, I came with that in my heart, is that I want us to begin to think like legacy people. And so, so I want to I wanna ask you if you could, if you're physically able, to stand for the reading of God's Word. And I want to take a look at a guy by the name of Joseph. And if you don't know much about Joseph, it's one of the coolest stories in the Bible. It's in the first book, Genesis. And Joseph was, was, was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. And, and then in, in, when, he was, when he was a slave owner, well, not a slave owner, but he was a slave to his, to his master. Then he was lied about and thrown into prison. And and all, all because he just had a dream. All because he just had a call of God on his life. And then out of prison, he interpreted a dream and he ended up being second in charge. And, and God had a plan to be able through a drought season to use him with the wisdom of heaven to be able to supply for, for tens and thousands of, of, of people. And his brothers come back after all of this thinking he's probably dead. And then their father dies and he's been providing for them. They, they're afraid that Joseph's gonna kill him. And Joseph's response is so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible of, of, to me, the gospel and love of God. But it says this in Genesis 50, verse 19. Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Tell your neighbor, you don't have to be afraid of me. Tell him I may amen a little loud, but you don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't, don't be afraid. I'll continue to take care of you 
and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Isn't that beautiful? That is so absolutely beautiful. And so I want to I want to just I want to share for the next few moments begin us to begin to think about legacy. So go ahead, you can be seated. And back in in 1976, there were a couple of guys that had this dream to start a business and and so they did and they ventured out and and they they each owned 45% of the company and and but they didn't really have a lot of money they got this other guy that was a little bit older by the name of ronald and he joined in and bought 10 percent of the company but as the company began to start ronald began to think you know what if this company goes belly up these younger guys they they don't have any cars they don't have any houses and the bank won't be able to even though they might go after them they don't have anything to get from them the bank will come after me because I got some houses and I got cars. I, and so he thought, you know what? On day 12 of the company, he thought, I'm going to sell my 10%. It's too risky. And so he sold his 10% for $800 for the company named Apple. And now in today's money, if he had 10% of that company, it'd be something like $7 billion. He's been interviewed since. And he's like, no regrets. I have no regrets. Whatever, liar. No regrets. Maximizing, being able to maximize the moments that matter most. That's what I want to talk to you about. And, and being able to, to the, my first thought about legacy is be a legacy thinker thinks farther. They think farther into the future. They, they don't just see today. They go, you know what? I, I see potential in giving a bike to a child. I see potential in planning a campus in Pendleton, Oregon. I, I see potential in buying a building all myself for that church or whatever it might be. I see potential in, in, and it's and it's be, beginning to look beyond what you see right now this is what a legacy person does they 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 think farther not just like for the next three months or the next three years they think they think even beyond their life that's what a legacy thinker does and that's what joseph was was doing because he said this i will continue to take care of you and your children it, he, his, their children weren't going to outlive Joseph, but he was thinking about taking care of the next generation. Even when he was long gone, he's like, I'm going to continue to take care of you and your children. That's what a legacy person does. Legacy people think farther. That's what I want to be. I want to think much farther. They have eternity in their heart, and they have eternity in their mind. Young people, please hear us older people well the older people the i'm, I'm going to speak for the older people even though i'm not older people but please listen see beyond junior high life gets better can somebody say amen <laughs> particularly you girls i'm here to tell you life will get a lot better after junior high It'll, it'll get amazing. If you can survive junior high, you can survive just about anything if you're a little girl in junior high. Now, it, it, listen, if you're in high school, hold on, think bigger, think longer, think farther. It gets better than high school. It gets, life gets better than college. Life, life, wherever you're at right now, I want you to think farther. Now, we're, we're entering into a season, you know, this next week where it's, it's Black Friday. And some of you are thinking, I can buy more. Or I don't want you to think farther. I don't want you to think just about how much money you're going to save. I want you to think about how much money you're going to spend. I don't want to ruin anybody's Christmas list. But I just want, I want to think farther, right? We get ourselves into trouble when we don't think farther. We get ourselves into sin when we don't think 
farther. We get ourselves into debt when we don't think. Come on, somebody, help me preach this morning. Tell your neighbor, think farther. Think farther. You got to think beyond Friday night. You got to think beyond this season. You got to think beyond this chapter. You got to think beyond that debt. You got to think beyond right here, right now. You got to think farther. Back in the 1600s, there was a university built in, in England, and, and, and at the time, they, they, they built this dining hall, and, and so they cut down all these beautiful oaks, and they, they, they built walls, and they built floors out of it, and they built dining tables out of it, and it was beautiful architecture. Well, hundreds of years later, in the middle of the 20th century, it had run its course. People had, had, had learned there. They had fellowshiped there. They had ate there. They had, it, it absolutely had, had served its purpose. But it needed to be refurbished, and they wanted to be able to be true to its original architectural design. So they went back to the archives to pull out what the original architect and the builders had written. And when they did, they found this note. Listen to this. They found a note that said this when they went to the archives, and it was written on the plats. It said, it said that the oaks, quote, the oaks to build this hall were harvested a half mile into our property near the small lake to the south. After we harvested and built the hall, we replanted the same variety of oaks on the site. If you're looking at this plat, it's obviously time to rebuild the dining hall. The trees should be ready for your restoration. And they were. Hundreds of years thinking into the future, which is what Joseph did. Listen to this. Joseph, you read the rest of the story. Joseph said, hey, when you leave Egypt, and who was even thinking about leaving Egypt at the time, but a legacy person can see so much farther into the future. A legacy person like jo Joseph was saying, listen, when you leave Egypt, when God comes through for the people of Israel and you leave Egypt, this is what he said, take my bones with you. Guess what? turn the pages in the Bible, go to the next book in Exodus, God raises up a man by the name of Moses. And somehow, Moses had heard, Joseph said, 430 years before, take my bones when you leave Egypt. When Moses was delivering the Israelites, most likely over a million of them, out of slavery, they took Joseph's bones with them. Now think about that. That means it had, what if, I, what if one of you said this? Hey, when we leave Walla Walla, tell the family, take my bones with you. How many of you think that your family descendants would remember 430 years from now? Without computer systems, without it being somehow archived on your computer somewhere. Every generation understood the importance of looking farther into the future so it got passed down orally. Every generation. Hey, Joseph said his bones got to go with him when we leave Egypt. Okay. Tell your kids that. All right. Then they that Mom and pop die. Grandparents die. Then they raise up. They tell their kids. Then they tell their kids. Then they tell their kids. They tell their kids. They tell their kids. They tell their kids. Like, how many times do we got to be thinking so far into the distance? Well, until God comes through. Because he's going to come through. Legacy people pass down legacy thinking. And that's what you and I are like. 
That's what we're doing. We're thinking not just about December 15th, the big give celebration of blessing kids, but we're thinking about those kids and how they will be impacted, how they will raise their kids different, how they'll meet somebody in the house of God and how their family will be changed and their family. We're thinking far into the future. That's what we're doing. Legacy thinkers think farther. Then, then he said this, same verse. He goes, now don't be afraid, verse 21. I will continue, say continue. I will continue to take care of you. Here's what a legacy thinker does. A legacy thinker can, thinks continually about being available. Like, I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna like, hey, I gave one time. No, no, no. I, can, I, I, I thought one time about the future. I, th- I, yeah, I, I, I wanna think about now, now. I, said, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna always be. No, legacy thinkers continue to be available. Now, if you've been in church, you've probably heard you know, one of these statements and and sometimes they can be cheesy but they hold some truth and here's one of them that that holds some truth to it it says god's not looking for your ability he's looking for your availability and it's like yeah we're like yeah cheer cheer it on and it's not like the part that's cheesy is as if you have to have zero ability god doesn't give ability and ability is irrelevant and of course ability does play some sort of a role because i've played the drums for the worship team and they haven't called me back and they, for some reason, don't like my one beat that I can do, and I can't even do that beat consistently on a certain time. And so they're like, you know what? You got ability somewhere else, Pastor. Lord bless you. And, and so they, you know, obviously ability matters, but and we recognize what the, what the statement is saying, is that, you know, God empowers us, and he, he gives us ability and all that. But the real, the, the real point of it to me is that that we, if you have all the ability in the world, but you're not available, what's the point? This is why I so love, like, this church. You, there's so hundreds of you in our church are like, I'm on the dream team, I'm available. I, I just want you to know I'm here. And, and I'm not just here in the grandstands, I'm available to put the jersey on. And, and when people are praying for you right now in the other room, I, I, I almost a- always pop my head in before every service of a team that's in another room that's praying. And I'm like, we're in this together. And you know what? It's not like we're not all available. It's like, I'm available. You know, I, I want to be available. But they're really available. They're there. I mean, you know, it's one thing to think you're available. And it's another thing to actually be available. And so I remember when... Uh, my wife and I caught eyes for the first time. And I remember looking across the crowd and thinking, dear God, I want to let her know I'm available. And, and she's like, I'm available too. And then ever since then, it's been no vacancy sign on both our eyes for everybody else, right? It's like, we're available for one another. And, and you, you can have an available, available sign when you look at the Lord, like, Lord, pick me. I'm available. And what that means is I'm just postured ready for you to use me however you want, but I, will, I won't just be available when it's convenient for me. This is a big deal. I want to be available all the days of my life, and I don't have time to go in it this morning, but there's a story in, in, when, when the disciples are, are, are going to um, be used by the Lord to multiply uh, a little bit of food that they had to feed people. And when they were on this journey, they had just finished a ministry tour, so here they are on this ministry tour. They come back, tell Jesus all about it. And Jesus is like, that's awesome. I mean, 
we change lives. And he's like, let's go on a retreat together. And so they're going to get away to a quiet place. And so they're, the, the, the boys are thinking, dear Lord, we're going to get, we're going to go to a resort. They're going to have those hot rocks, place them on our back. They're going to put those like, you know, steam rooms. We're going to have massages. You know, it's going to be amazing. Our wives are going to get little pedicures. They're going to be, ah, oh, come on, Jesus. We're not arguing with you now. And right in the middle of them getting away, they get in a boat and they go to the other side of this lake. And on their way there, the crowd sees them and the crowd runs around and gets there before they do and Jesus has compassion on them and the disciples are like come on send them away we were going on a resort trip we're come on Jesus and Jesus said this to the disciples you don't miss this he's he, he goes he goes uh, these guys are hungry and and they go I know so send them away send them away like like they're really compassionate disciples and, and where they're really not compassionate disciples they're like we're hungry and we want a resort that's what we want and Jesus said this to the disciples he goes you feed them. You feed them. Now, I've always thought, man, Jesus fed them, right? Jesus feeds the, that's how it's like labeled on my Bible, you know, over the chapter, Jesus feeds the 5,000 or Jesus feeds the 4, you know, is it, is it, well, he did, but listen, you know how he did it? Through the disciples' investment. In fact, Jesus said, he goes, you feed them. You feed them. So what he's saying is, is I know that right now it doesn't seem convenient for you. You are in a resort mentality. But I want you to be in a continual availability mentality. I want you always to be available. I want you to always posture your heart that, Lord, here I am. You can use me. That's what a legacy thinker does. That's what, that's what, what Joseph does. So I will continue. All right? Tell your neighbor, I'm going to continue. Tell him, I'm going to I'm going to continue. All right, another, my last thought for you is this, and then we're gonna take communion together. It's gonna be powerful. Legacy thinkers, Genesis 50, 21 again, he says this, he, speaking of God, God brought me to this position. God brought me to this position. God brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph recognized his position of responsibility. Listen, church. You have been given a position. Like three amens. Here's the deal. Joseph had every right in our mind to curse his, his process to get him to that position. Be like, dear, I mean, I didn't do anything but have a dream, and then my brothers sell me into slavery. They were going to kill me, but one brother stood up, stood up for me, threw me in a well instead, then pulled me out of it, and it was like, okay, we sell me into slavery. Why did I deserve that? Then I was lied about. I wasn't, I mean, then I'm thrown into prison, uh, you know, and then I'm, then I'm in prison. I'm, I didn't do anything but just have a call of God in my life and curse his position. Listen, in the middle of it, please lean in and listen. In the middle of the process to get him to that position, he recognized he still had a position even in prison. And so he stayed close to God. He stayed close to God in the process, used the gift that God had given him to interpret dreams. And because he used the gift in the middle of the process, saw that his position there was still a position and he used it, he got another position. Some of you keep cursing your current position rather than staying close to God, using your current position with the gifts that God has given you, and you wonder why you're not promoted to the next position. 
if you would just bless your current position and recognize it as a position that you are responsible for, then God will be able to promote you in his time. Just so you know, I'm human like you. I get frustrated in processes. And so I've been pastoring a long time. Just so you know, church wasn't always full. Right? I just had just as much passion 20 years ago as I have today. But God, in his infinite wisdom, knows the process that this rascal has to go through in order to be faithful with any kind of promotion. He also knows everything about you. He loves you too much to promote you too quick. He does. So here's what I'm telling you. I want you to begin to recognize your position right now. You're in junior high. I just talked about it. It's a position. Use it now. Don't wait till high school. Don't wait till college. Don't. You're a single person. Use it now. Don't wait till you're married. You're divorced. Use that position right now. Stop waiting for a different position for you to recognize that God could use you. You've got something right now to use. Use that position. Leverage for the kingdom. I got something to give now. I don't have to wait. I got to recognize my position. Sometimes your most powerful leverage is while you're in the position of process. Because people will lean in when they hear you have a different tone going through the same process they're going through, but you still love God and you still stay close to God. You don't get bitter. It's the fact that you have that position that some people will only listen to somebody in the same position. If you've been addicted, I know you get hope from preachers like me, but let me tell you what. If you are in the middle of fighting an addiction, let me tell you who really has their ear. Somebody who believes that they won't always be addicted, that's been addicted, that's still in the process of being completely free from their addiction, but has a different tone, has a different faith, has a different hope, and believes, I know this is where I am right now, but this is not where I'm always gonna be. I'm going to make it out of this bondage. I'm coming out the other side. Oh, help me today. He brought me to this position to save the lives of many people. I came to tell somebody, you have a position right now. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for your prayer to get answered. It's a position. 
recognize with what you have. When the disciples came to Jesus and he's, they're thinking resort, he's thinking we're gonna feed people. They go, we'd, we'd have to work for months in order to feed, pay for the food. Like we'd hire a caterer. That's how we think we'll hire a caterer. Jesus goes, no, what do you have? All, just Listen, Jesus doesn't need much. He just needs it all. He doesn't. He doesn't need a lot. All I got, just a couple of little fish, little boy's lunch. Great. Give it all to me. All I got is three homes, 16 cars. Great. Just give it all to me. I'm not saying sell everything and give it all. I'm just saying, give this right here. I'm saying everything you are, just say, I'm available, and I recognize that whatever I have, here's what I'm trying to tell you is that I think so often we look through a lens of lack, and we think we don't have what we actually have. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about you've got hope. You've got gospel. You've got joy. You've got whatever. You've got brokenness. What a great gift. You, you can relate. See it as a position. It's what Jesus did. Jesus saw far into the distance. When he went to the cross, Jesus didn't survive going to the cross. He went through the cross because he saw you. 2,000 years later, he saw you. He saw your name. He knew your name. He knew everything about you. And he goes, this is why. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So he saw, he was a legacy thinker. He saw farther. Jesus, in giving it all for us, recognized that he had a position to be faithful with as the Son of God. Jesus was a, somebody who's like, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when I don't feel like being available, he's like, not my will, but your will be done. He continued to present himself, I'm available for you. When we begin to think like him, we're sowing seeds that we will look down from heaven hundreds of years from now and go, I had no idea that it was gonna bear that kind of fruit. But I think that now you're gonna begin to see stuff that you couldn't see before. You're going to begin to think in ways you didn't think before because I'm going to be a legacy 